Welcome to Political People, the podcast where we take a peek behind Uncle Sam's polished veneer and explore who politicians are as human beings. We hold the gotcha questions and throw talking points out the window to focus on what makes our public servants unique and inspiring individuals. I'm William Haynes, and this is Political People. I'm tired of politicians who talk about family values and don't value families. What a greeting. This is like winning an Oscar, as if I would know. I'm so old-fashioned that I believe in horsewhip. Part of the beauty of me is that I'm very rich. And now, my friends, in a phrase I want to address to others, God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. On this season of Political People, we're focusing on the Big Five, a group comprised of the mayors of Alabama's five largest and most influential cities. This week, we talked to Tommy Battle, the mayor of Huntsville, about wine, his favorite books, and the art of public speaking. Mayor Battle has been the mayor since 2008. During his time as mayor, Huntsville has experienced huge growth in job creation and the tech industry. Mayor Battle joined us from his office in Huntsville. So... Without further ado, I'll jump right in. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, where your appreciation of wine came from? In 19, I guess it was 1991, my brother-in-law and his partner, who were both orthopedic surgeons, got into the wine business and uh, and, um, they managed to quickly lose a substantial amount of money in the wine business. They came to me and said, "Listen, if you'll manage this and you can get us back to a uh, back to a, a scale where we're um, we can pay for it, pay or pay off our loans, uh, we'll make you a partner." And so, for uh, for probably 10, 10 or twelve years, I, I was I, I came in was kind of the managing partner in in that little venture. Wow! Yeah, you know, when I first when I first came in, I knew that there was pink wine, I knew there was white wine, I knew there was red wine. That's about it. And uh, over the years, uh, you got to learn learn a lot. Uh, we we did a couple of trips out to Napa yeah. and got to learn that Napa is just really a good farming community that finally found a good crop. Mm-hmm. And they found out the grapes were a good crop and a good paying crop, and uh, and and then you got to visit some of the wineries and learn about some of the wine making techniques. And um, I'm by no means means an expert, but I got to got to um, got to play play with some of the guys who were. It was a lot of fun. That is fun. Were y'all distributors, or did you have a retail operation? Or we were a little retail operation, okay. uh, a small retail operation. Uh, you know, had a really catchy name called Great Spirits, uh, and some people thought it was an Indian artifact store. <laughs> and um, but uh, but it was you know it was a great wine store. We did did carry uh, liquor uh, in there, and the liquor helped us carry more wine. So. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a nice you know it, it's a retail store and I'd come from the restaurant business and it was really kind of interesting coming from the restaurant business people would come in and they'd um, they they'd look at they'd eat at your place and they'd come out and they'd say oh it was really nice we enjoyed that we enjoyed this or they'd say it's maybe it was too hot too cold too salty too peppery uh, maybe not not spiced up enough and. And then right. in in this business, someone would come in and they would pick up a, a bottle of product, come up to the store, come up to the uh, cashier stand. They they pay sixteen, eighteen dollars. They smile at you. They walk on out. Yeah. Right? And I said, man, that's a different kind of retail business than what I've been. <laughs> but but really, you know, it helped me. Um, I think to be a, be a better mayor because um, you had to go through do when you, when you had to pay sales tax or you have to pay privilege tax or you have to. Uh, meet the rules and regulations of the ABC or the state or the city even uh, as you went through that. 
you remember each one of those things that you went through. And then as, as a mayor, you, you can remember that, you know, why it was important and, uh, the, the things that you do in city government that you add to, um, the, the burden of a small business person. You are, you learn to relate that that's, you know, um, that's something serious that, that you right. need to look at real, uh, very heavily. So who do you like to drink wine with? Uh, mostly Mrs. Battle. Uh, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when we finally, uh, light at home about 6.30 or 7 at night, or maybe it's at 8 or 8.30, uh, having a glass of wine and just talking over the day's events and having, um, you know, as, as, as a married couple, you need to have your obligatory talk time. The right. talk time at the end of the day that you can sit down and have 45 minutes to an hour just to kind of catch up with each other. Um, that's my favorite person to drink with. You know, one thing you said that was interesting is interesting to me is uh, the, the part about Napa being a farming community that found a good product. Actually, about a month ago, I went on a trip to, to Napa with some friends, and I was really struck by that, that it really is a true farming community still. You know, it still feels that way. They still swap uh, products and gear and what, you know, they do whatever it takes. They kind of have that esprit de corps that you find in a farming community and the appreciation of the soil and the techniques. That honestly, to me, that was the most fascinating part was just kind of learning about the, the farming aspect. Yeah. And, and all the people out there, I mean, they're, they're, they're so friendly because, you know, uh, they, they like to talk to their customers. They like to talk about how they do it. They remind you of the farming community that you would find up here in the Greenbrier area where you can talk to them about, you know, how they do cotton, how they do soybean, what they do, rotation of the crops and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and they love to talk about it. And uh, Napa is just a place. I mean, they, they planted lots of different um, agricultural crops until they finally came down with grapes and figured out that grapes would grow there very well and, um, and that there was a use for the grapes. And, um, you know, and, and most of the first farmers ended up just growing grapes and selling them off to in mass in bulk to somebody. And then they would take it and, and make either wine or grape juice out of it, or uh, some of them made vinegar. Uh, but, it, but now, um, you know, now they've gotten into where they're, I guess, what we would call vertically integrated, where they grow the grapes and they actually do the product there and then sell the product just directly from the winery there. Yeah, yeah, it's really fascinating. Well, so I'd love to jump uh, jump from there and talk a little bit about kind of your early life uh, to now. So can you tell me a bit about how your upbringing or your, your family impacted uh, who you've become, where you are today? You know, I, I started off, um, I, I grew up in the restaurant business. Uh, my dad was part of uh, Britling Cafeterias, which is a lot like Morrison's Cafeterias to others in the state or, um, or Piccadilly. And when we were growing up with that, um, you know, our, our holidays and vacations meant that we went to uh, went to the uh, to the restaurants and helped at the restaurants and maybe helped pass out Christmas turkeys or Thanksgiving turkeys and dressing and gravy and stuff. And, you know, you learned a work ethic there. When I came out of school, my dad had just moved into an ownership position in the, in the chain. And he said, come on in with me. Let's see if this works. And I, I think that those early days in the restaurant business were what taught me, um, um, it taught you customer relations. It cost you, you know, I was um, uh, 24 years old. I owned my own restaurant. So I was the HR manager, the PR manager, the accountant, the bookkeeper, 
uh, some days the cook, some days the bottle washer. Uh, and I got to do a little bit of all of it, but, but those were great days to teach you all the aspects of what it took to be in business, uh, what you needed to do to be in business and how, how you could make a business work. Right. And you, you relay each one of those skills back over to, um, uh, to the city government because city government is a big business. It's a $333 million a year business that, um, you, you, you put the same principles to that you did to your, uh, $2 million a year restaurant. Mm-hmm. So when you were, when you were working in the restaurant business, was that in Birmingham? Um, that was in Birmingham and I moved to Huntsville to purchase one of the units, uh, at 24. I moved to, I was, I was working with the chain and they decided to sell all the, all the units out. Remember my dad said, uh, come on here, let's see if we can make this work. Well, the, they decided to sell all the units out and, um, I decided I better get a job somewhere else. <laughs> and, and they said, well, no, we got that unit in Huntsville. We haven't been able to sell it and we have a bank loan. If you, and we'll let you assume that bank loan and, um, pay it off. And, you know, in six years, you'll own your own restaurant debt free. And so I, I came at 24 and I thought I owned a restaurant. It owned me more than I owned it. Uh, and in those early days, you know, you didn't have an off day. I mean, you were there 24 seven and, um, you were going to make it work. You were determined to make it work one way or the other. And so we, I, I worked a lot of hours those first three, three years until, until we could figure out how to get an off day. But, um, what, what, what a great experience in business and learning how to do business. I mean, it was a, it was a deep dive into how to do business and, you know, a trial by error sometimes. Mm, that's really interesting. And so I also read that you, uh, you sold flowers to girls on bid day at Alabama. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Oh man, that was a campus welcome company was that, uh, two, two friends and I, we were, we were, um, uh, one, uh, as we were getting finished up school one year, we said, you know, there's a business opportunity out here. And we always watched the guys though, you know, uh, Mars D's made a million dollars before he left the university of Alabama through doing little, uh, things. And, and we, we saw that there was a business, um, there, there was a business opportunity at the university. And, uh, and so we, we went to the Panhellenic, uh, society of, uh, you know, a good friend, Nancy Trainer was running the Panhellenic Society. We said, listen, can we, uh, if, if we split some profits with you, can we get the list of girls coming down for rush? And she said, what are you going to do? I said, well, we're going to send a letter to their parents telling them that normally, you know, FTD flowers were $23 a dozen and we had a, we had a source that we could provide them for $18 a, a dozen and, uh, your daughter is first time away from home and she's going through rush. And if she's selects a sorority, you can show her how, how you, uh, compliment her on her choice with a, with a dozen roses, uh, or she decides that the sorority in her, her way, you can show her you love her and send her a dozen roses. And so, uh, she gave us, uh, the list. We promised to pay her a percentage of what, what we made out of it, uh, or the Pandalenic Society, a percentage of what we made out of it. And we sent out and we each put in, I think, $400. And at that point, $400 was a lot of money to right. us because that was, uh, that was, that was our date money for the university. And, uh, we each put in $400. We sent out the letters. We, I'll never forget. We sent them out. So I'm like, uh, I think it was July 15th. We sent out the letters. The first week we got two responses and we said, man, we've lost all our money. We're, we're dead meat. And, uh, the next week, uh, we got about, uh, eight responses. And then the next week we got uh, about, you know, 340 responses. Oh my goodness. And all of a sudden, 
we were we were in the cash. We knew that we could make this work. And so on rush day, we we went out and we took flowers and put them at each sorority and then took them to the dorms for the girls who had decided that a sorority wasn't for them. And we made sure that everybody got the flowers. And I think we got one complaint from the Better Business Bureau. And we, mm-hmm. we, we made sure that we answered that complaint. And, uh, and we ended up with a successful business venture. Uh, uh, and it was, it was, it was really kind of interesting. Um, the, my two friends and I, we, we got together at the very end of it and we said, we made money on this. <laughs> we were really surprised at ourselves. And, awesome. uh, and it was, it was a little bit of a profit thing, but we really thought that we had made it. And then about three or four months later, we got a call from a lady, uh, who worked for the city of Tuscaloosa and she was in the clerk treasurer's department. She called and she said, is, uh, uh, she said, are you Tommy Battle? And I said, yes. And said, are you the one who uh, owns Campus Welcome Company? And I thought she was going to give me accolades or something. I said, sure, I am. She said, well, did you buy a business license to do that? And um, <laughs> I, I said, no, I didn't really even consider that. You know, we were young and dumb. Right. Didn't, didn't know what we were doing. So she said, you better get down here and talk to me. So we went down and talked, and we had a great great talk with her. We told, walked her through everything that we did and, and uh, all the things that were done. And she said, well, this is this is for this year, and you're not going to do it again. Uh, you're not going to do it again this year. And I said, we said, no, ma'am, that's it. And she says, get out of here, and next time you do anything, make sure you get a business license. <laughs> what a learning experience. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I'm hoping that Walt Maddox isn't watching this and sent me a business license about 30 years, 40 years late. <laughs> I'd love to, to transition a little bit and ask uh, some questions about your current job and your management style and what makes you tick and your personality. Can you tell me a little bit about how you manage your schedule? Uh, you know, m- my schedule is, um, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have an administrative person who does a great job with my schedule. But we start off Every morning, um, about 8.30, we start off with a, a group of our department heads, and, we, and it swaps for the day of the week. But, we know, one day is public safety, one day is uh, infrastructure, one day is, uh, you know, internal workings of the city with accountants and uh, everything else. But um, each day we start off and we kind of go around around the table and just talk about what's going on, just because I've found that communication is the most important thing in city government, you know. If, uh, if my Department of Public Works knows what my Department of Engineering is doing and my Department of Engineering knows what um, maybe my, my landscape management is doing uh, and all those, then we can work together and we can, you know, and, and we can make sure that we stay ahead of um, potential problems that, that, that could arise. Mm-hmm. And um, and that is probably the best way that we can do that. I got got that out of Rudy Giuliani's book on leadership. Um, right after being elected, I said I, I better figure out how to do this. So I read his book, and it, it's kind of a primer on how he did the how he was mayor of New York City. And in New York City, what, what to us is an 8:30 meeting. I think it was a 10:30 meeting for them because they don't get up as early as we do. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, but it was it was interesting. You know, that was probably one of the best things that we started off with. And then communicating out to your people is is very important. How do you make sure that the 2,100 people who work for the city of Huntsville understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, and and where you're going? Because that, that's, that's the crew that's going to make you look good or, or, or make you look bad. What do you, do you usually do uh, something in particular during lunch, or are you meeting with people? What does lunch look like for you? 
Lunch is uh, lunch is usually meeting with people. We usually start off at 7 a.m. breakfast. Up about three days a week, we'll have 7 a.m. breakfast with and and meet with some folks. Uh, you know, and that, those are always good. And we have some advisory councils that we meet at 7 a.m. with 7 to 8, and um, that that gives you a good start of the day because it gives you you know some ideas about things that you might want to do and things that you should do, and um, but that you know that you can carry on through the day. So probably three mornings a week, we have the 7 a.m. breakfast uh, lunches. Uh, you know, it might be meeting with a group. It might be going to a rotary meeting. It might be um, meeting with individuals and, and, and talking to them. And then, you know, evening time is usually, uh, you know, you have 5.30, 6 o'clock meetings, neighborhood meetings, group meetings uh, that, uh, you know, that are important. And during the days, there's always... You know, uh, the, the, you know, probably one or two days a week we're, we're doing ribbon cuttings or groundbreakings or something like that or, or uh, announcing a business coming. So, you know, your, your day is, you never, you're never set to do one thing all day. Uh, you, you always get pulled off to do about a multitude, about three or four or five things during the day. And, and, uh, then you have to come back and focus on what's really important. If you could choose a free morning or a free evening, what would you choose? Oh man, uh, if I could, I would, I would pick a free evening. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, time to sit down with Ms. Battle, have that glass of wine and, and, uh, have our good obligatory, uh, talk time or hour of talk time. Uh, and, and, and then just kind of, you know, uh, be able to do a project. That's mm-hmm. a, that's the biggest thing that hits me is, you know, you're, you're going off and you have, you, you have, you know, even on Saturdays, you know, you, you have a little event at 11 and then you might have one at four in the afternoon and might have one at night and just having a whole day to do a project and then look back and say, wow, I painted my steps today yeah. and I did it myself. <laughs> that's, uh, that, that is, that's, that's what you look forward to in this life. Yeah. So do, do you enjoy doing yard work and sort of handy projects around the house? What kind of projects are most fulfilling? When when I have time, uh, I think my um, my perception of how good I do those projects does not match as Mrs. Battle's perception of how well I do projects. So um, a lot of times we uh, after I get finished, she'll call him the professionals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you get the immediate satisfaction of of seeing what you've done, which is the most important part. Uh, that's it. Uh, right now, my back porch needs painting, and I, I'm I'm ready to get to get busy on it. And the, you know, and it's finding the time. It's, uh, that's just part of it. Is there if you could build one thing into your schedule that you don't uh, currently have in your schedule or have capacity for? What would it be? It would probably be add about an hour of thought time mm. during the day. With just having one hour to do nothing but you know catch up on things would right. be nice and and. Also, you have time to write notes back to people and things that you need to catch up on. Yeah, I can imagine that. If you if you had thought time or downtime built into your day uh, outside of reading, is there anything else that would be you know that would help you kind of gather your sure. thoughts or uh, you know think well? Yeah. You know, uh, I like I like leadership books. Uh, I like leadership audio tapes. And when I work out in the morning, uh, I start off at five, work out in the morning. I listen to the audio tape while I'm on the um, the stairmaster uh, doing my first 25 minutes. I really got into those when one time we went down to University of Alabama and went through the uh, athletic department. 
and they were talking about Coach Saban still has um, leadership people that he talks to mm-hmm. on you know two or three times a week. And I thought, wow, he ought to be writing the leadership books rather than uh, talking to somebody. But he always, you know, has that that uh, um, attitude that I want to get better. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's what each of us have to have. We have mm-hmm. to have that attitude that even though we think we know some things, we still need to get better. And right. every day is a day that you can work to get a little bit better. And um, that's a, uh, those books are, are very helpful mm-hmm. in that. I love that that perspective and that humility. And I do want to circle back to books in a bit, but I want to ask a few more questions about kind of you and what makes you tick uh, first. So would you say you're an introvert or an extrovert? I would probably... Um, when I first came in, I think I'm an introvert, really, and and that's kind of um, you know strange to be out there and meet everybody. You know, when I first came in and, and we would go to events and everything else, I was trying to remember everybody's name, say the right thing, do all this stuff, and and I would come away really, really tired out of those. Mm-hmm. And um, and then we did some personality profiles and in, mm-hmm. in, in one of the courses that we were in or something, and maybe it was a leadership course that we were in. And, and it came out, I think, that I was an introvert. With, I had some some extrovert type um, tendencies, and uh, and and they said, well, that's why you feel tired after you go out to those because it's it's not your favorite thing right. to do. Now, after ten years, it's gotten much easier, and and uh, you know you've you've caught up on all the names and everything, and uh, it's easier to go to events than it was you know when you were first elected. So, uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I would probably have to say, I'm an, uh, if I have a tendency, it would be a tendency to be an introvert. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about public speaking? Um, I've gotten used to public speaking and, and uh, very much used to it. Is, um, and, you know, I, I do better in public speaking if I don't have notes, if I don't have um, a, a script to, to follow or something like that. If you can kind of do it from your heart and mm-hmm. You know, uh, say say what you think, and you know, as, as mayors, I think we get to have we probably have more opportunity at public speaking than most people do in any political life. Because I mean, we we go to the PTA and we get up and speak. We go to the uh, Chamber of Commerce, we get up and speak. We go to a neighborhood meeting, we speak at it. Uh, we have a ribbon cutting or a groundbreaking or anything else. Uh, we get a lot of opportunity to do public speaking, um, uh, and you know, uh, it's it's more of a practiced uh, art, I think, than than an art that somebody is really. You know, you see some people who are born with it, but uh, with me, it's more of a practiced art. And did you do anything to hone that skill or develop it? I think part of the reason that I got into, um, uh, you know, I was in speech and debate in high school and. Uh, debate in college um, uh, was to learn how to crystallize ideas and, and talk about ideas and, and put them into encapsulate them so that you could really uh, tell people this is what we want to do this is why we want to do it um, you know and this is what what I think uh, that helped an awful lot in in those days uh, reading helps an awful lot mm-hmm. because as you read you get more and more ideas and as you have more ideas you can pass those ideas off to others and mm-hmm. You can relate those ideas in your speaking as you as you do it. What books have been most impactful to you? Uh, you know, and 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 this is you know, um, for twelve years I taught Bible study at church, mm-hmm. uh, and the Bible study was always every time you went through the Bible, and and you would go from you know, 
uh, you go from Genesis down to uh, down, down through the whole Bible in in church, and um, every time you went through it, you learned something new. Mm-hmm. Every time you went through it, somebody said, "Well, have you ever thought about looking at it like this, this, this?" I mean, it was mm-hmm. great, great, uh, uh, great uh, experience of looking at you know how you set up your own code, moral code, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and what it means to you on a day-to-day basis. Uh, that, that was one of the most, you know, that's, that is the most influential book. Mm-hmm. I've always enjoyed the history books because I think history is just something that's cyclical. It goes round and round. Mm-hmm. The same thing happens time and time again. If we can learn from what happened in the past, maybe we can keep it from happening, you know, keep, keep the right things happening in the future or keep the bad things from happening right. in the future. And so many of the history books that I've read uh, have had had a profound impact impact mm-hmm. on me. Um, you know, some of the Leon Uris books, some of the books that uh, people have forgotten, Anne Rand, Atlas Shrugged, mm-hmm. some of those books. Uh, I mean, they're, they're old classics, but right. people don't need to forget them. Mm-hmm. They need to go back to them. They need to read them. Uh, you know, and and then you know, I've had had my share of reading the Mitch Rapp action movie action books. Uh, uh, that were just kind of escapes away to right. get away from everything and the escapes and you could escape for, you know, four or five hours and read a book and, and enjoy that too. So, yeah. um, I think, I, I think you'd, you'd have to say that, uh, I have pretty, you know, I've, um, uh, I've been able to read a lot of different topics. Do you have any interest in writing a book yourself? I would love to write. I'm not sure I'm disciplined enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've tried to start off sometimes, and then when, you're, when I read what I've, I've written, I say, that's garbage. Uh, <laughs> so uh, talent and uh, consistency and, and discipline are three things that um, uh, may keep me from being able to write a book. Gotcha. If you could write a book, what would it be about? I think the, the book that's left to be written um, is one about how people can have conversations on topics that, maybe they disagree on hmm. and still civilly have a conversation and how people can um, maybe change your mind or have your mind changed hmm. as you go through those kind of conversations. Um, you know, the, that if, if there's an ill out there in the community right now, it's that, you know, we're all, you're either black or white. There's no gray in between and there's a lot of gray area in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we had, when I was running uh, for election for governors, I said something about compromise, and somebody said, you can't compromise your principles. I said, well, if you're married, you know how to compromise. Because right. uh, every day in marriage is a good compromise, and there there are compromises that need to be made in life. Mm-hmm. And some of the issues that we take up is, um, you know, I'm going to fall on my sword. Maybe you're not following sword type issues. I, I love that. I can't wait to read it. So I'm going to wrap up with some what I'm calling rapid fire questions, which are you know pretty uh, pretty simple, uh, but always interesting to hear people's preferences. So what, what what's your favorite comfort food? Donuts, pies, cakes, everything. The things that I should not eat is exactly what I think of comfort foods. <laughs> gotcha. And uh, do you prefer coffee or tea? Uh, coffee. <laughs> do you have a favorite uh, sport to follow? Um, favorite sport follows football. Uh, you know, I, I, I watch football, college football, uh, on the weekends. And, um, that's, uh, you know, that is the one time that I, I do kind of put my schedule on hold and right. said, you know, uh, the, the two and a half, three hours, four hours that we have on TV, that's, those are the times that I'll block out. Gotcha. Do you get to go to many games? 
I'm, I'm down for, you know, usually I'll go down for one or two games, um, but it's, you know, it just depends on schedule. Right. Uh, we've, we've got uh, a football team up here, Alabama A&M, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll try to make a game every year with Alabama A&M. Do you have a favorite vacation spot? Favorite vacation spot? Uh, it's uh, it's down in Fort Walton. Uh, it's called El Matador uh, 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 Condominiums there. They are not the nicest condominiums in the world, but uh, Ms. Ms. Battle uh, and and her sister were winning partners on one a long time ago, and it's a great place because you can get down there, you can read books, you can watch movies, and uh, you can just get away from everything for for a couple of days. If you could meet just one person, who would it be? One of my favorite people to meet, uh, and, and I've got uh, I've got to have about two minutes, and I'd love to have a deeper conversation with her. Was Condoleezza Rice? Mm. Uh, she had, you know, she had her head head on straight. She understood things and could very much come up with some uh, answers uh, uh, on some of the uh, some of the geopolitical things that you know everybody looks at and scratches their heads with. Uh, she's been there, done that, right. and she. He was one of my favorite people to meet as as we've gone through you know uh, the past eleven years. Um, right. He was a special person. I would love to to meet her and spend spend some time with her and just hear more about her perspective. I'm sure it's fascinating. What's the most trouble you got into as a child? <laughs> oh, the most trouble I got into. Uh, uh, let's say uh, my dad was pretty pretty strict on us and made sure that we uh, we did the right thing. But there was time. Uh, I guess I was eight or nine, and and I got a new watch, and uh, the, I think I got it for my birthday. I got a new watch for my birthday, and I don't know what, but I I wanted to see what made it tick inside. So I got something, and I pried the back of that watch off, and. Uh, and, and looked inside and everything, and and, um, and I couldn't tell anything from Adam. But uh, I tried to put it back together; it wouldn't go back together. And so um, I told my dad, I said, oh, "The watch broke." And so he took me over to see um, uh, over to the drugstore where he had bought the watch. And Mr. Box ran the drugstore. Dr. Box ran the drugstore. Dr. Box looks and said, "Well, there's scratch marks on the back. Did you try to open it." <laughs> And I had to fess up at that point. Uh, and then my dad took me home. And then even after after the spanking and everything else, he made me go back and apologize to him. Uh, that that was a pretty pretty good lesson to learn about. You you don't don't mess with dad, and you don't mess with uh mess with people, and you you better be a, be straightforward with them. Okay. that's that's a good one. So just in wrapping up, is there anything uh, currently going on or in the near future? going on in Huntsville that you're especially excited about? The future for us is, looks very, very bright. It looks great. I think we're taking care of for the next five, 10 years. Our biggest thing is making sure that we're ready for the, the 10, 15, 20 years from now mm-hmm. uh, and put, putting those foundational blocks in place so that we can be a success 10, 15, 20 years from now. That's awesome. And how can people stay informed about what you're up to? Hey, listen. Uh, they they can get on our website. We put out uh, weekly weekly newsletters about what's going on in Huntsville um, and talk about uh, the successes of happening. They can follow me on Twitter, uh, and uh, and I would love to I'd love to tell people more about you know, about our area. Um, you know, I think you'll find any community leader that you talk to, uh, they'll talk about the people in Alabama where they've never been there. You know, if they ever been to the Wiregrass or if they ever been to Mobile or they ever been to Huntsville, 
And um, and I think it's incumbent on all of us to know a good bit about um, uh, about each of these areas and and how that what their plans are and what they're going to do, how they're going to affect the whole state. Absolutely. Well, Mayor, thank you so much. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to to getting this podcast out so people can learn more about you and what you're up to. Thank you so much. Hey, listen, it's been great, great conversation. You can keep up with Mayor Battle on Facebook and Twitter. Next week, we'll dive in with Mayor Randall Woodfin, the mayor of Birmingham. Political People is created and hosted by me, William Haynes. The podcast is produced by myself and Joel Sappington, and this episode was recorded, mixed, and edited by Joel Sappington. Intro music by Rex Banner. Episode music by Ian Post. Big thank you to Mayor Battle and his team for giving us their time. Special thanks to Wendell Kimbrough and friend of the show, Unity Fiber. If you have a connection to a politician that would like to be on our show, please email us at politicalpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. You can find more episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we'd love it if you would rate, review, and share this so that others can check out what we're doing. I'll see you next time, and until then, don't forget to love on your politicians. They're people just like you.